0: everyone, this is the podcast-centered subject it is called. It really took us a while today to start recording. We were speaking, but then we couldn't start recording. We couldn't tell the difference between having a
1: conversation and doing a podcast. We forgot what the difference was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard to remember sometimes. But now, this is, yeah, this is the podcast now. This Um, is it. This is it. Well, also yeah. the other thing that I was going to say before I started recording, it's what if we just continue talking forever? I would get really tired. Everyone would get really tired. Yeah. 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 It's true. Should we have a
1: talk-a-thon?
0: We just yeah. Process
1: everything? Sometimes it feels like that happens with some of my therapy friends. We just process everything until we, we just physically can't
0: do it. And then you process processing and you just yeah. turn inside out. So much processing mm-hmm.
1: well, if you think of friendship like food, one must have a meal and then not eat. It can't be a glutton of of connection, you know
0: yeah well, actually, yeah, so this brings us to today's topic, which is vaguely centering on friendship play um, mm-hmm. playing around with your friends <laughs> <Lord>. okay. <laughs> yeah um, yeah. today with, with today, their consent we're, and we're friends you and I we're friends we are yeah yeah it's true for for a long time when did we become friends gosh it's been a long time I think it was in 2001 or two that we met yeah it was 2002 it's going to be our 20 year anniversary of friendship oh my so, god wow are we gonna have a date we should We should make a day.
1: It was, we could look it up. It was in the wintertime. I was always wearing a blue scarf.
0: That's romantic.
1: (laughs) I was wearing a blue scarf the day. day. It
0: truly is. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, well, it's um, it's a Valentine's Day Mm -hmm. week. Uh Yeah. So relationships are in a lot of people's minds, I think, right now.
1: It's true. And I want to find a way to make them, to celebrate them in a beautiful way. I have been, I think I've always been resistant to the Valentine's vibe because I grew up in a family where holidays themselves were, like, questioned all the time. And, you know, we were too cool for holidays. But um, yeah,
0: I've, I feel like I know a lot of people that way. Out. Yeah.
1: But, and also, you know, it was constructed in the Victorian because people just wanted to write cards. And mm. I also, I've also think there's like a lot of um, misogyny to my hating of Valentine's Day because it's a really feminine holiday. And mm-hmm. there used to be all this thing with like women writing things back and forth to each other and this mm-hmm. kind of, you know, somewhat queer but somewhat not kind of blurred lines thing where they were very… Passionate about one another, mm-hmm. in that time, and then that kind of can they just like looped in men into that process. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm into it now, and I want to talk about my.
0: You're into the Valentines.
1: I'm into it if in the, in terms of this sort of thing, like valuing the relationships I have and the connections I have. And, yeah, yeah, and my birthday is always has always been two days after Valentine's Day, so I've always felt mad at Valentine's Day.
0: For, just taking you know, it away.
1: Or just, like, making it confusing, you
0: yeah. know? So, yeah. <laughs> I hate February. Well, you know, and your your birthday is also a date. I know. In my personal history, that's what, a day that my dad passed away. Um, yeah. And that was, I remember also that was, like, a point in our friendship. So it's been, what, 15, right. 16 years? But I remember it was your birthday, and I think, and then my dad died, and then I, I think I... I was like, I was like signed up for this gr- email group that was yeah. um you know for it was he passed away from cancer and so it the, was they list serve with for people i think was, with relatives who were sick um with the same type of yeah. cancer and I remember like you know there were all these emails and then my dad passed away, and I remember like I emailed you and I asked you to like log into my email and you know clean all that stuff up and mm-hmm. sign away from it and I think I forgot mm-hmm. it was your birthday then I remember it was your birthday anyway weird. that was a, yeah definitely a, the, the
1: overlapping yeah yeah
0: yeah well I will never forget it's your birthday ever
1: uh, okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh.
0: Oh, sorry, it's a depressing moment. <laughs> me, me <laughs> but it, either. But somehow it's. Yeah. But then, I don't know, yeah, somehow no. it's like also like a, a really intimate connection at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's like birth yeah. and death. And, yeah. Sure.
1: It's it's just a day as well, you know? It's also just a day, yeah. And um, I'd never met anybody. There had never really been anything that overlapped with my birthday at all, too. So <laughs> that was the only thing. Valentine's Day was always like, yeah, for, you know. That was much. close enough, yeah. But now I've met people i I am pretty good friends with a few people who have birthdays the day before and now I have a good mm. friend who has a birthday on my same birthday so okay. it's cool. That's yeah, it's cool. cool. I I don't hold ownership to it, you know. It's yeah. like it can happen in any in any way. But anyway, so yeah. Um so the the place that I got started thinking about this was um this mm-hmm. Atlantic article that talks about adolescence and friendship and how they're doing a lot of brain science recently. Um, To study how adolescents, to study peer pressure and adolescent social groups, and I am really into that. Um, And specifically just how important friendships are to the adolescent brain and how when we become that age, the friends that we make or don't make or the social experiences that that we have at that time actually set us up for Um, The way we think about friendships and connection for the rest of our lives and which is pretty intense. But if we look back on that time, you know, it it kind of is the first draft of uh, types of friendships that it's like a, a template of friendship that then we apply to all situations going forward. And um, that, that's what they're saying, and that's pretty much like what what the scientists and psychologists kind of think. But like there's this lovely thing about they talk about peer pressure and they also then they also say we don't get peer pressured necessarily by our peers, but we behave differently when we're around our friends as an adolescent, less mm-hmm. so as an adult or an older adolescent. But when we're like 13, 14, we perform for them. So it's not that necessarily Mm. they're pushing us to do things like they probably are sometimes, but that we
0: imagine them, their gays.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, or they're there and we're high. They they talked about there's something particular about the high of being with your friends when you're a 12 and 13 year old and there's nothing like it. And there's that that social connection is the most important thing to you. And I absolutely
0: remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're still chasing it. Because yeah well
1: everyone is and I think we kind of all are replaying that and, and yeah. creating those groups that we felt like we liked and
0: well social media also keeps you actually like in that mode a little bit right
1: and winning and losing and all of that but also but also
0: information yeah
1: the the quality of your connections that you have and the types of connections um I think
0: gets taught then
1: and then we we address it later you know I know I know for sure like I had one version when from like fourth to sixth grade and then I was like no I'm gonna do it my own way and then you know like my relationship to being an arts person was like Pretty much forged in seventh grade from like three relationships, and Mm. I pretty much use that same template going forward. And anytime I engage with like bullies or people I don't like, I can very easily be like, "Nope," and then move on to somebody else because of that experience, which I think is good. And I that's maybe why I went into teaching kids. You know, like I teach middle school kids sometimes, and to give them that choice. You know, you don't have to put up with this. You can go make your own friends. You
0: know, that kind of (laughs) attitude. But that's true.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have any memories of that time that were really important and
0: Yeah, I had a group of friends in middle school that was quite close knit and we were sort of up to no good. Mm-hmm. And it being the moments of collapse of Soviet Union and, you know mm-hmm. people discovering their I think I've talked about it before, but the kind of um yeah, I think capitalism and puberty sort of arrived together in my life. <laughs> And so yeah, there's a lot of so there was a lot of that, I think. Yeah, just kind of chasing. It wasn't I think it was never really quite um like they portrayed middle school on T V American yeah. middle school on T V, which I think I don't even know what I'm trying to remember. It was like Beverly Hills or something, you know, that it was high school. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. but it was it wasn't quite that way, but you know, I think there was just yeah, a lot of a lot of kind of passionate friendships and we were trying to rebel against school uniforms together and like, oh yeah. you know, make up with lots of people. I remember playing a lot of, do you remember playing a lot of those games? Like the, oh yeah, the the bottle game? Oh yeah, Spin the Bottle. Do you have it here too, right? And that's interesting how it's international. So in Belarus in the 90s, we were playing the, the Spin the Bottle. And so there was, yeah. there were a lot of kind of these kind of forays to... Right and then just intense discussions of those things. Um, Oh yeah. And then also that was of course before the cell phone. So there was a lot of, a lot of kind of prank calling or, you know, the phone right. kind of played a role, the actual analog phone and right. trying to reach people or being absurd. Oh, actually, I do, you know, I do wonder about that because there was a lot of space for anonymity uh, with mm-hmm. an analog phone. I mean, I guess some people had this um, devices that would show which number you're calling from, but not a lot, I think. So right. you could potentially, if you have an object of affection, you could call them and just breathe, <laughs> you know, breathe into <laughs> the phone. <laughs> Yeah. We
1: can't do that as easily now.
0: If you're listening, you can just do are you listening? Which you know who you are and you're listening <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So yeah, but now like you can't really text anonymously. No. That would be so odd. And impossible. You have to get a number. Like, just You can't bad. breathe like that you in can't, the same way. <laughs> you're not allowed to breathe. Mm-hmm and like listening
1: to it and wondering and well being pretty sure that the person that's breathing on the other end <laughs> is probably someone you know you know <laughs> like it wasn't like, some anonymous like, whose breath was it
0: it's true. you were like
1: yeah you're like divining like, who it really was and it was yeah. you know it could be one of three people you know <laughs> it's just like please please let this creepy breathing be this one person that yeah. i want to meet,
0: and true. not the other two Oh, yeah, yeah, but I think also the other thing is how a lot of these uh, friendships and uh, middle school friendships um, were kind of laced with romance um, yeah. somehow oh, yeah. as well. Like it could be friend one day and like lover next day easily uh-huh. and then friend or enemy the next day. <laughs> it was just, were very fast proceedings in those days. Yes. Yeah. I guess does it travel still to us? I think it travels. To these days, sure, absolutely.
1: I don't know. I had this like fourth through sixth grade, very annoying kind of um, reality television kind of life. Just like a lot of, you know, I don't know, Real Housewives of fourth grade kind of shit, where there was a lot of drama and little girls, you know, oh he's not mine, he's yours, or he's not yours, he's mine, and how dare you, and yeah, you know, like this one little girl kept. I think she was my bully, but we were best friends, and oh. she kept she kept telling me that different people liked me, and they didn't, or maybe they t- She was just super manipulative and weird, and doing a lot of borderline kind of behaviors. So I remember that as just being so confusing and hyper-dramatic, and she always wanted us to, we were always at a big, she, it was very filmic. She wanted us to be at the big football game, and then, which I would attend, you know, and then she would reveal her plot which was all to like fool me oh, wow. <laughs> looking back it's terrible she did it three or four times she would trick me and then be like ha ha he doesn't really like you ha 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 and like looking back oh, I was like terrible I thought that's what it meant to be friends I think at that point um until I got new friends and everything was much better but that's a cruel thing to live through yeah I know I thought it was I thought it was normal and that I think that's something about adolescence is like you don't really know yeah what it's supposed to be and I so I thought the realm of relationships and and boys and girls and love and whatever was just this realm of pain pain
0: and manipulation <laughs> oh I and still
1: think that <laughs> I guess I <laughs> is it too. not
0: is it not that I yeah it is it's constant torture
1: but yeah but there was this weird merging like there was a lot of merging I was sort of like so I was friends with all these gymnasts, and so there was all this obsession with being them and with their bodies and just their thing, which was like a whole thing I should, probably should have thought more about. And then their pride in being gymnasts and possibly going into the Olympics and stuff. And I didn't really want to do that, but I was— Okay, so now retroactively, now that we know that,
0: you know, how they grew did they go to the Olympics?
1: Some of them went to the Olympics, okay. some of them. Like one of them who was younger than me, like two years younger than me, did go to the Olympics.
0: And did you have any kind of moments of, of you know, you're like, oh, now you know, from from being a grown up? And no, no. Some of them, you're like, oh, they just fate somehow just
1: no. Oh, that I could have been a gymnast at
0: the Olympics. No, no, no. That somehow you know maybe people that. You know, just that classic thing of people that weren't nice in middle school, and then you look at them from the cliff of being a grown up, and you know, you see their tragic existence, and they've right. They did not turn out well. (laughs) They ended up rather flat.
1: What I look back and see is this like severe lack of fit between what my family was like, who I am, which is a lot like my family, and where my my parents decided to move, and how. Like weird it was that I met all the cool people that I did, you know, who were in, I think it was that I was nowhere near art class and I was nowhere near drama class for a while and I was trying to be a gymnast and I had, was I was like trying on the wrong identity and I didn't know it and nobody told me that I was doing that and there was like. Because we just lived in this weird place, so well, why would anyone ever tell you that you're trying
0: on a wrong identity? I guess that I guess
1: I was into it to some extent, but there were really no other models of ways of being um, around, and I think that would have been cool, and maybe why I became a theater teacher. And then later on, you know, I think because I got into music or something, or because of my older brothers and sisters, I met new people who were way cooler than the other people, and then I had the confidence <laughs> to just leave the gymnast behind in the dust
0: oh my god I feel I feel slightly strange somehow yeah I feel like there's something about you know when you talk about these things it's almost like they're still happening I know I, they yeah, are I, was just, I
1: guess <laughs> for me they still are I mean I think that's part of it. I guess I don't this.
0: remember my all my middle school things that well, well
1: get it going um I think that that's kind of like what the article that's what resonated for me in the article where it's just like these first things and how you related to them they become they mm-hmm. become ingrained and they create they actually create your some of your networks in your brain around social mm-hmm. stuff and around Probably, your stress yeah. levels and social stuff.
0: Yeah. Something else happens though. I mean I think we always are in these kind of groupings and rites of passage. And mm-hmm. but I think around this time of life, people yeah group up often by um by income. Oh yeah, and so you know maybe you were friends in middle school, but then you know you ended up doing something you know working in the nonprofit sector, and then your friend ended up being a banker, and mm-hmm. these kind of I think that's interesting, like what happens to friendships when when people like sort of people's lifestyle essentially diverge because of yeah. what they're able to do. Right. Yeah. Have you, do you have any experiences of that nature? Do you feel um, like, or do you like have any of thoughts? Of course. About that?
1: Oh, well, um, there's a movie that, <laughs> that I, me and my friend used to watch all the time called friends with money. Oh,
0: okay. uh, I haven't seen
1: it. It's okay. It's about that. Like Jennifer Aniston's character cleans houses and Francis McDormand, 2006. And not all of her, Friends are richer. It's a really interesting movie about this. But yeah, I mean, I now know so many people. I think for some reason it's not as big a deal to me because I'm in the arts and some of my friends have a lot more money than me in the arts, but you know, it's not a big deal. And I've had money and not had money relatively in my life. So mm-hmm. I think I, I think there was definitely a, I remember one party I went to where everyone at the end of the party was, was asked. This was like, it was like a dinner party at a restaurant and everybody, the people giving the dinner party were really rich one it's like a really, like a really successful director guy. And he, everyone just was just like, okay, everybody throw in (laughs) a hundred dollars. And I, and I was like, yeah, I was just like, no, uh, I didn't know. And then my, the other friend that I was with was really, really upset by it. So, I don't know. I'm okay with it to some extent. It doesn't hurt my feelings or anything, but, and I think, I think that this goes into the bohemian idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's that, funny that, my-
0: that you mentioned indicative. I was just thinking about Bridget, our guest in the bohemian episode, she visited us and she's back mm-hmm. in LA right now and she had the bunny. Sorry. But yes, yes, you were thinking about the bohemian, yes.
1: Yeah, well, it's just like in my in my group, I think there are rich people and poor people. Mm-hmm. And and there's something about bohemian culture where it's kind of untoward to be judgy about that, you know, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it is a different thing when you are in the kind of creative class versus, actu- you know, versus not. And I don't think I have that much. Ex- I guess I don't really have that much experience with people. Well yeah. I think it um my experience is that even when I don't have money and I am in a context where it's rich people, you know, and they're not in the arts, but there's still I think yeah, that, that kind of aura of artiste um surrounds mm-hmm. and protects me from certain degree of judgment because right. um because of the the whole myth yeah. about what an artist is and what kind of and it, but I guess also there's I think I am always upheld by Again, by my Soviet background and somewhere, even though I caught a brief moment, I think I, that idea of you know people having inherent value um, that has nothing to do with money and money right. being slightly evil um, mm-hmm. in a way. So you know, if you're a seller versus um, an intellectual, then something yeah. is wrong with you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is another kind of judgment. But I think that um, that idea remained, and so I feel like. Right. That's just kind of like an inbuilt protective right. mechanism that works for me. Even though when I'm in the states, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm still, it doesn't matter Thank because, God. It's know, great. my pleasure is derived from the you know from this book and you know not from um, the brand new object. I mean, actually, I do love some brand new objects, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you like lots of my favorite people. Um, are really good at having a beautiful, truly luxurious experience and not making it super expensive and figuring out a way to make it not necessarily, I've seen you do that before. Like we've had parties before and not spent a lot of money. And it's been one of the, some of the most beautiful times ever, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but like my fr- i also have friends in the last 5 years who are some of the most amazing intellectual artist people i know and they know the most about you know social systems mm-hmm. and have gotten taught me how to get on Medicaid when I needed to, mm-hmm. you know, taught me about food stamps and navigating those programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like, I I have a really nice friend who is, you know, doesn't believe in rent. And so the way he negotiates, he's like sometimes been the leaseholder at different apartments and the way mm-hmm. he negotiates with other people about money and how money works in that apartment based on different people's incomes. This is like one of the most astounding lessons in what socialism is and could be for me, just an, you know, like small Small-ass socialism, like, among humans. And, yeah, and, and one of the most glamorous people I know is one of the poorest people I know, for sure, and um, navigates systems with, like, great intelligence and then helps p- other people, other artists, mm. navigate those systems. And, you know, and he's constantly directing work and acting in really wonderful plays that are, you know, pushing the limits of what performance is. And yet, you know, he pays $500 rent. He almost has no money ever but he makes sure to take care of himself and do what he needs to do,
0: regardless. Yeah.
1: You know, like that's heroic
0: to me. But I guess yeah. What do you do when you do end up in a situation like that? When somebody just says, "Oh, throw in a hundred dollars," then you don't have right. the hundred dollars. Do you say? Do you say mm. you don't have it? Because I guess some people do, but then other people just spend it. You know, and then and then suffer because they're not able to. Right. Because it is it is a sort of a shameful thing, you know, to not be financially solvent and right you know people don't want to admit it
1: yeah I mean among the truly aspirational like if you're and I've noticed it in this in engaging with the the two generations like younger than me that I hang Mm -hmm. out with sometimes is that they don't have the same relationship to the bohemian that I do I'm not sure why so there is more of a pretending to be wealthy or you know fake it till you make it kind of thing yeah um and less comfort with like well I don't know this is where I'm at I'm you know I make money, I pay my bills, but I don't have that money for this. Um, I don't know. There's more of that among young people, I think, that I know. And maybe it's like a generational thing. But I don't know. I think it's an interesting question of of uh, what we're supposed to do. I don't know. I've I've honestly not hung out with those people again, even though they're both really wonderful. Mm. <laughs> maybe that's what we do. We just maybe avoid those.
0: We avoid them, yeah. Yeah,
1: true. But they're lovely. I mean, I guess I do judge them it's to some extent for their wealth because because of those.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna keep thinking about well, that. Well, I think yeah. I think I think it's in this moment. But then there are moments that allow us to transcend the the this perceived class limitations. And I think one of those moments actually is kind of happening now. And the coronavirus mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. moment. I think it's really interesting how it. Um, I wonder if it will just make everyone. Be friends uh, in a way because uh, it just makes everyone really aware of their unifying mortality and just, you know, the body being porous and, uh, and you know, the virus can strike anyone. I strongly, I
1: strongly believe the opposite will happen.
0: But. Or I guess, yeah, well, it's true because then, yeah, some people, yeah, because then there's also this kind of quarantine hysteria that's going on and yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are trying to like isolate and right. um, pariah ideas are returning. Um, racism, racism, racism around true.
1: Um, people, Asian people. I've, I mean, yeah. I haven't seen that so much but that ha- that is happening to some extent. Mm. I could see that happening way more.
0: Um, it's terrifying the stories of the cruise ship, people being trapped in the cruise ships. It's like the red death story by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh yeah, the, the I don't red know Mask. True. No, but sorry, mm. you, you go ahead and then I'll, I'll tell the story.
1: Yeah. I don't know and and I think as a person who has studied social policy and in in social work school, some of the most amazing social policy and social work that ever went down. What happened around disease and outbreaks, um, mm-hmm. and that's why we have a you know public health systems and things like that. Because there were terrible outbreaks, and then people got together and saw what happened and created social systems to prevent that in the future, like in cities like New York City, mm-hmm. and and in you know in the in the United States, that's where all that came from. So we've lost so much of a relationship of uh to those social systems as being essential for us as a people and as a city and as a uh, I mean I think that bec- just because I'm freaked out that Trump is trying to cut you know Medicaid in, in big ways and he's trying to cut the food stamp system and and the CDC so it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: i predict that if we continued with his kind of people that we're going to have to have some sort of great emergency and Mm-hmm. fighting about it in order for those social systems to be put in place. You know, I think I'm feeling pessimistic today, but yeah, I think things have to break a little more in order for things to be, re, you know, revisited and fixed. Mm-hmm. So when I see that coming, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> like it's really going to push our systems mm-hmm. to break or to change or I don't know. I really want a socialist or a very left leaning person to win this election To help us because we desperately need it.
0: Well, the Mask of the Red Death is a story that I feel like it's just—it seems really actually pertinent to a lot of a lot of the stuff that's happening in the states as well. You know, as Trump's trying to kind of isolate. Yeah. You know, there's the list of the kind of banned countries have been expanded recently, but anyway, the story um, was written in like 1842 and follows. Um, this prince, so the the plague is raging, and this prince is trying to hide in Heath Abbey. Hmm. Um, but then this figure, the Red Death, it's a masquerade, and this figure enters, um, and essentially everyone just starts dying. Yeah. You know, so even though they've they've barricaded themselves um, in their con- seemingly controlled wealthy environment. Yeah, yeah, then they. It's just, a, it's, I mean, it's just a terrifying gothic tale. But yeah. I guess the message being, you just can't can't escape what's coming.
1: Yeah, and that and the people. I mean, in emergencies like that, epidemiological emergencies. Oh my god, um, whatever. People are grouped up together, so the you know the diseases go past really quickly so social yeah so we we help each other it's condensed yeah i mean that's why public health yeah. exists right because it's like we need public systems to get to get vaccines to people, to get people healthy, to get people protected so that we stop things. Yeah. From happening. yeah, it makes me want to read the history of different outbreaks through time, which is always my response to yeah. things like this, like, oh, this sort of thing has happened a hundred times in many different ways. How, you know, how can we relearn? Because we're ignorant, because we solve some of these problems. We did a pretty good job of protecting ourselves. So yeah. so our generation is ignorant, or I am ignorant about what was done in the past, you know, like we talked a little bit about it in the medieval episode with the plague and and um, the responses and then you know what happened culturally after something like that if something really big did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have a, we as a people have really yeah.
0: weathered storms so many times. Like maybe this, I mean, well, the Red Death story suggests that the control is an illusion, and even though you're trying to uh, keep yeah. you know things out, first of all, they just tend to kind of slide in (laughs) and then (laughs) um they're
1: tiny they're tiny virus ways yeah
0: and then also pretty impressive are you controlling are you like you know are you contained or you know are you sort of or are you oppressed you know are you protected or are you oppressed there are all these kind of questions you can it just Mm. it's a matter of perspective i suppose right
1: yeah i guess we have to close the uh and like lock the viruses out huh there's no (laughs) no viruses or bacterium allowed oh yeah
0: interesting
1: mammals only or like you know
0: well it's a kind of in a way you can think of it also as a revenge um like a mammal revenge and also I think the virus had to right it had to I think it started in bats and then it went yeah it had um, to jump to a mammal so it can jump yeah. to then to a human but the mammals the way that it jumped I guess is because they were slaughtered mm, and so people really? were I think I think that's is that the idea or something is mm-hmm, that the I humans so. were um, trying to consume them right. and so in a way this is kind of a posthumous revenge yeah at the animal that's pretty cool mm-hmm. it all
1: has these very very um, mythic kind of elements to it in terms of climate change mm, it feels very much like do. Uh, like metaphors like fuck with nature too much don't don't go into the the you know far away what wilderness areas don't mess with them don't bring them into the human cities don't cross those those boundaries
0: mm, yeah.
1: you know respect the order of space. nature yeah or, and if they do, you will, you know, something very out of control will happen. You know, mm-hmm. and it has this very, like... <laughs>
0: don't build megacities, <laughs> I guess.
1: Yeah, well, yeah.
0: yeah. Seriously. It's too late.
1: Well, like, that there's this level, there's this level that things reach, right? I do have to say, though, you know, I, just to bring the friendship piece into it, because I was having this conversation, this similar conversation with my friend while we were in his car, and he is somebody who sees people a lot but is also alone quite a lot in new Mm -hmm. york and he was so hysterical about this
0: virus virus. yeah about
1: this exact thing and he was like it's because of climate change and it's all gonna happen and and he's like very freaked out and i had this moment while he was being freaked out of being like very like wanting to distance myself from that and from this and to get out of the car because he was so freaked out Mm -hmm. but then i had this moment of like nope Like, we need to be together and talk it through, and this is what friendship is for, and this is what closeness is for, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is how we're going to get through freaking out about this or whatever he's going through, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm not going to isolate myself. He probably isolated himself too much, which is why he's freaking Mm -hmm. out, and maybe we'll talk about it and things Mm -hmm. will be better, but also share germs in that process, so (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I guess... At, at the end of the day, you know, like, we we made it through all of these uh, different outbreaks and and survived, and people helped other people, and that's how we did it. So, yeah. yeah, my instinct was to be helpful and a friend and just, like, process through the hysteria. I did see a bunch of masks on the floor of the subway, and yeah. I thought that was, that was a dark yeah, thought. I was they're like, they're oh, already
0: they're y'all are gross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I suddenly feel so sad. I'm, I know, I know I mean I just I just hate February, honestly. Mm. Full disclosure. Yeah. I understand. It's so hard. Um sorry yeah. it's your birthday month, but it's okay. Yeah, and I think with the virus, I'm also such a hypochondriac, but this like transcends my hypochondria because it is so
1: epic. Well, one of the thing I always think about, one of the things that I, I'm aware of is that like different different illnesses hit different people different ways we all have different genetic structures to some extent um different Mm -hmm. health levels and there's aspects to your body you don't even know about so yeah bodies are mysterious and like so our sense of self as we're walking around in our body is like one way Mm -hmm. uh, but our actual bodies you don't really know how you you engage with the world on a molecular level or on a virus level you know i mean you do But just because you're afraid you're going to get sick from something doesn't mean you are, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's not going to pretend that it will happen, you
0: know? Yeah. Well, it's nice at least that, you know, Bernie um, won in New Hampshire. Yeah. That's really nice. I'm I'm into it. Yeah.
1: The least amount of
0: uh,
1: Buttigieg that we need in the world.
0: (sighs) (laughs) Buttigieg. I don't know what it is. But Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Yeah, Andrew Wang um, dropped out, so no um, UBI. Well, he was—it wasn't really a UBI, really. What he was offering was just like a small handout every month. But yeah, yeah, may Bernie um, parade victoriously across all states. I, I really want to see him do that. Yeah, I just started my volunteering. But I don't
1: want anybody to walk near him. I want him to do that kind of alone with everyone's like behind him about a hundred feet yeah, you know yeah. we'll just like kind of parade behind him but let him do his own thing mm. you know have his space am,
0: and, i'm concerned about him being old though and coronavirus also mm. no we won't let it <laughs> Stop. don't say that <laughs> well what what will we do how
1: will we protect him i think
0: we'll, we'll no say spells, some spells yes we'll say the some only spells thing could do is prayers oh my god yeah yeah prayers prayers yeah. Of spells. Well, I, I feel sad for
1: for uh, Elizabeth Warren. I don't know what the hell's happening. Yeah, I never liked Trisola. I like her because Whatever. she's from Oklahoma and Texas and stuff and and she got some shit done. So I hope she gets to do some more stuff politically if she doesn't get to be the president. But I do I think at this point I prefer Bernie and I want to see that walk across the United States. Confident. Kind of like those guys back in the 70s, you know, who would just, like, get all geared up and walk Mm. or run or, like, you know, cartwheel across the United States. I want to see Bernie, like,
0: Mm.
1: talk about policy.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: With all the rest of us
0: at a respectful distance. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any Valentine's Day plans?
1: I do not. Mm. No, I might go see a show with that friend who is quite terrified. glamorous
0: oh
1: glamorous no, okay great the,
0: my glamorous friend nice oh yeah I'm also having some friends Um, my friends just got married and so they're coming over on Friday I'm gonna make some caviar and pancakes for them and we'll have a valentine threesome date I mean not really a threesome in a sexual sense but more in you know camaraderie kind of sense
1: yeah I'm having a birthday party on Sunday I'm very excited about it <laughs> everyone that's listening to the podcast should come
0: just Please, you're all invited um, to my very
1: small apartment.
0: <laughs> Come in your as you your astral selves. Oh, but actually, this is a great moment to uh, let everyone contribute to the Patreon <laughs> for yeah. Jenny's birthday.
1: Continue, yeah,
0: for my birthday. <laughs> we begin. We just we finally just launched it, so yeah. Do if you- you've
1: ever appreciated any of the many many nuggets of wisdom <laughs> that I decided to bestow upon you, yeah. <laughs> unselfishly completely unselfishly yeah. you should give us a dollar please or send us nice messages because that's always cool um or uh, suggest uh, episodes that you want to hear about we we've gotten a few that we're really suggestions for episodes and we're really excited about that we can't seem to stop talking about the <laughs> coronavirus though <laughs> that yeah. we didn't plan that
0: uh well sometimes discourse just takes a certain course and right um, it's true and so it's true. It oh goes. well here
1: I have a question though I know we should be ending but I have a friendship question how have you noticed your friendships change
0: throughout your life <laughs> in a, it's a, big in one. a depressing turn of um turn of events I have no actually, it doesn't have to be bad it can no, be no. It, yeah ours I mean, lasted
1: 20 years come on
0: yeah, a it's true, and we've had ups and downs, it's true. Um, sure,
1: we've weathered the storms. Yeah,
0: I think we, we did have a gap. Like we didn't talk for like a year, two years, I don't know, a while. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in general, I've had friends that... I think the quality of friendships are good. They were always good. I think... I was thinking today about the fact that I have... That there are actually several people that I refer to as my best friends, and that's kind of interesting um but I did this year have a strange situation where there's someone I know from Belarus that I grew up with and I've known her for years and years and then this year for some reason she just completely faded you know and at this point we've been friends for like I don't know what like 35 years something like that like something really epic um like with kids and so yeah, that was just kind of odd. It's an odd thing when that happens. I mean, we live in different countries, obviously, but I was in Belarus for a moment and I didn't see her. But that's really strange when that happens, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's not like quite a breakup, but it is very strange. But yeah, because you, I think f- friendships are more grounding in some ways than relationships. Or you think that people are more consistent. So, so it's mean, right. odd. I'm not really sure what happened, but in general, I think my friendships have always been passionate and mm, love. I love friendships and I love socializing and people. So Yeah. I actually don't know if they changed. I think it's the same. Like let's party. <laughs> there
1: you are like that.
0: Basically. And,
1: and I will, I will compliment you in that you have a really good way of bringing different people together from your life. You've done that for me in my life. So like, you know, like, Oh, this friend, this person's great. You should meet this person. And then I almost always really like people that I meet from your life. And I've, I've, I have a lot of friends in my life that were people that you knew first,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you have
1: friends for my life, too. So it's like, true. it's nice. It's,
0: it's true. It's nice when that happens, the friendship exchange, the connection. Actually, yeah, I've actually yeah. had that. This um, happen in London just now where I introduced a few friends and then I heard the other day that they were hanging out. And it's such a nice feeling when you can yeah. uh, facilitate a friendship, that a new friendship. It's very fulfilling
1: i have that too that i really believe in that if it works out it's i love it and it's great and Mm -hmm. i want people to be connected and it doesn't you know i'm like you know it's not about me really i'll just be like okay you guys do your thing and and live on through life like you're amazing and you're amazing you know it's like let's let's do this but um but I think some people aren't as like that, you know. They're not as interested in everybody getting on and and being really
0: close with one another. And true, not everyone is interested. Yeah, it's true. People yeah. are not like
1: I want everybody to have, you know, more friends and more connections with people. And I think you do too. And it's yeah. it's nice. Actually, yeah. a
0: friend of mine told me the other day. Yeah, um, someone that actually I think will join us on the podcast at some point. But he mentioned that he said that he he, he told me that he said a lot of people, a lot of grown ups, actually don't have. I think it's a problem. Yeah, people don't yeah. have friends because I think in kind of a conventional again non bohemian life, people um, follow these kind of routes of like you know family making, you know school work, and mm-hmm. when people work these long jobs. Um, that are not conducive to, like, maybe true friendships. You know, people are convivial but not close. Right, And then they go right. home and they're alone. I mean, in England, they actually have that ministry for loneliness, I think, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's true. A lot of people actually don't have friends. A lot of like grown-ups.
1: Well, you're socially as you as isolated. you age in this. Yeah, in our in Western culture, you're you're socially, you know, forced into pairing up, and yeah, and then like you have to break those connections. You know, okay. I was very active when I was like in a partnership with someone that I lived with for many years to like continue that process and to continue adding people to that dyad mm. that I was in um but i think a lot of people end up holding holding away yes, from, into from their kind of
0: joint shell yeah true
1: right and and that i, I think mean, that's it's a kinda natural. shell yeah yeah i've done it and you've yeah. done it so it's like we've it's a thing that you do but i'm i'm glad now that i have this relationship to um, keeping things complex. My friendships have always been very, almost always, not always, but almost always very intense and close. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and usually with like one person, one, one at a time. Mm. And I usually, I, I was thinking of this cause I was trying to put this party together and I haven't done a party in a while. And it's like, usually I would have these, you know, very intense one, one-on-one friendships. And then, and then I would have a party and I would put all of them together and see how that worked and try to get myself out of it or just, mm-hmm. you know, get everyone relating together. And then I would create this whole other kind of alchemy of what, how things would work. Mm-hmm. But recently I've continued, and especially in school, I continue to have these like relationships with one individual and I'll try to introduce them to each other. And I don't quite understand. It's like that other part of it hasn't been happening. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. But I want to get back into the... You know, connecting people together, but all, also people don't always need to be connected, and they don't need to be friends, and that's okay. And yeah. you
0: know, yeah, that's true.
1: But I like, I like that we share that. We both have this like, no, we're all everything's fine. <laughs> sure, let's all make a show. Okay, great. You know, it's just like, okay. Yeah. I think that's the best way to be, and probably the better way, you know, to survive anything that happens through life. You know, and, and yeah. As life goes on, I think that's great. Oh, another thing that I, that is exciting, and I think that I want to influence people to do yeah. publicly, uh, that I learn from my clients, because I have these clients who are in their 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll be like my friend, and we'll talk about their friend who's helping them. And most of these clients in their 80s or 90s are very vibrant, and they try their best to you know run around the city and do all these things. They're pretty cool mm-hmm. but they'll have these friends that are 60 you know and I'm you know I'm not really ageist anymore but I used to be and I'd be like oh they're both just old people but if you look at the difference between a 60 year old and an 80 year old that's 20 years mm-hmm. right so so that means that if I'm if we are preparing to be 80 and awesome like these guys and they are they really are kind mm-hmm. of glamorous also some of them I'm quite glamorous also We need to start, we need to make friends with people who are very young (laughs) and I'm really proud that I have, and I do, and I'm really proud that I have like two or three people that I'm hanging out with that like used to be my students and now they're 25 years old, you know, and like, it's crazy. Like I started teaching them a long time ago and now they're these like cool adults Mm -hmm. and we can just like continue through life forever, you know, just making friends with anybody of any generation and and I have older friends who are ten years older than me that are coming, so I think that's a really fun element. And like just understanding that aging happens and that it's fine. No, then you have no like, it's
0: not. No, no, I know you you differ from me
1: that on this. It's fine. You know,
0: it doesn't happen, and it's not. But okay. you can
1: bring into your life much older and much younger people, and and you can be friends, and it's cool, and it can. I think it's an extension of a bohemian concept. No, you can
0: just continue using Botox and just. Young well, 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 you
1: guys can all use Botox together in different <laughs> generations. I think you just... Yeah. Okay, fine. Cut. Set LA. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I really... My, my favorite tale growing up was this story about Chiborashka. Do people know this animal? It's this brown animal um, that's made of circles, basically. He has like a circular head and a circular body and two giant circles for ears. They're like equal to circle of yes. the head. so yes. he's a chibroshka and um, unknown animal anyway his whole basically the story starts he's like forms this friendship club and this crocodile awesome. becomes his friend Um anyway they have these great songs in there there's a cartoon you should play it play the song I know I'm, I'm going to play it <laughs> I'm to sing it too <laughs> do it sing it Okay, i guess it's a good good moment to end on. i think. Um, may you give your paw to all paws? return the paw if somebody says hi say hi back yeah. and if they prefer paw shake it return the paw do we agree?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> agreed yeah shake the paw I do I do Tsuburashka I miss him uh, I miss I Tsuburashka miss so much now
0: <laughs> All right, over and out, everyone. Um, Wishing you friends and fun valentines and all that. Mm -hmm. All right. Talk to you later. (laughs) Bye-bye.